Welcome to the Triage Method Podcast Q&A edition. Straight in, no kissing. This week, we're talking about Paddy's arms. Why are your arms so interesting? That's not really why we're talking about today. (laughs) What we're talking about today is people who have what are generally called uh, high insertions or, yeah, insertions is generally what it's called. It's not the correct term, but it's what we're going to use because that's what everyone talks about, right? And the two main things, the two main ones that people talk about would be biceps and calves, right? And I got hit with the stick that fucks you up both ways, right? <laughs> In terms of I also I have high or closer, I don't know what the term would be, uh, bicep insertions and high calf insertions, right? Which makes it look like I have half a bicep and it makes look like makes it look like I have no calves. Right, so got fucked both ways. So this is a topic that is near and dear to my heart, right? Um, but what actually is going on here, Gary? Yeah, so like people always talk about it as being an insertion problem, and as you correctly alluded to, it's not necessarily where the muscle insertion is, but where the musculotendinous junction is. You could say. So basically, if we're talking about your bicep example what we're looking at there is that you have a longer tendinous portion of that musculotendinous unit versus someone else. So you portion a smaller muscle belly in terms of the actual length. And so when you flex your bicep, it looks like there's a gap between the forearm and the start of that kind of peak of the bicep. So Especially when you're, like you're supinated. Exactly. So especially when you start to really shorten that muscle into its fully shortened position. Um, so like taking a step back for people who aren't up to scratch, all, muscles basically attach into, into tendons and it's continuous, uh, a continuous type of intersection. So basically you'll have your muscle fibers, they've got context, connective tissue um, between, within them and around them. And don't, then that muscle tissue is basically slowly starting to um, be pierced by this by more connective tissue as you get towards the tendinous component of it and then you've basically got this tendon component which is like a, a band you could say of fibrous and elastic connective tissue that allows for force transfer then where it inserts into the bone so it gradually then become or inserts into the bone and then you've got bone which is the the most rigid form of of connective tissue that we have. So you've got your bone, that's basically your platform for producing force. The tendon acts as kind of like the pulley, um, which the muscle pulls on to actively produce the force. So although the muscle is the active component, um, there is a, like the tendon is still important for force transfer and the properties of the tendon can, can kind of affect that. So that's just like muscles and tendons, absolute basics 101. So in this case, what we're talking about is variation in the length of the tendon relative to the muscle belly, which can change both aesthetics and the functional properties um, of that muscle potentially um, and, and adjust someone's performance potentially. So in, in this case, it's, it's aesthetic it's the main concern for people because if you have that sort of variation in your, where you have a slightly longer tendon, then when you, when you flex your bicep, you know, in the, in the classic way with your fist facing towards the side of your head, arm up, you know, like the emoji, the muscle emoji, then what you'll see for people watching out, you'll actually see very well illustrated that gap between Paddy's bicep peak, bicep peak and the insertion point. Um, so yeah, that's, 
it's pretty interesting. So although the bicep is going down and inserting onto the, the forearm, you're not actually you're not actually seeing the bicep go down anywhere near that point because it's just it's just essentially the tendon. Um, so yeah, that's basically what we are dealing with here. And oh, it's like no, 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 that's not a problem. It's just basically anatomical variation. It can also make it look like you know if your arms are kind of down by your side, sometimes it looks like your if your biceps up under your t-shirt, it can look like you literally never trained in your life. That's, this thing. is this is my biggest concern, right? I can't wear t-shirts that are even halfway down my arm because if I even supinate my arm in any kind of bent position, it looks like I have never stepped foot in a gym. It looks like there, effectively there's just a straight line in terms of like a cord from my wrist circumference all the way up my arm, you know? So that's, it's, it's not great. Right. So that's why you always catch me in long sleeve uh, or sleeves that go, you know, top of the bicep job, you know, or sometimes I just don't give a fuck because realistically it's just your body. Who the fuck cares? Um, and I just wear a long sleeve and get over the fact that it looks like I have literally the arms of a prepubescent girl. <laughs> yeah. And the appearance can also be affected by like the hypertrophy in your brachialis muscle and um, which lies under there as well, but that's kind of beyond the scope. But basically that again, accounts for some of the variation that you might see in the way that people's arms actually look and that that extends to the calves as well they're another very prominent muscle group that are not prominent at all uh, <laughs> where this becomes a problem uh, because if you've got a super long achilles tendon like most of your calf literally just looks like, like what is that what is that little stick and then and you've that's, got that's, this, that's what i have as well yeah and then you've got this little muscle belly up top and even if it is well developed like it just look uh doesn't look fantastic <laughs> but yeah so that that again is the case of having a really long tendon um which is great if you want to be able to like spring off that forefoot you know but if you're trying to look absolutely savage in a pair of shorts because calves are really all that matter it's not a great time man yeah see this is this is also the thing that people need to consider right first of all like especially with the calf like i would argue that it's actually a better adaptation right it's a better adaptation for endurance like running like you effectively just use this giant spring rather than your muscles right so very efficient think kangaroo right literally the skinniest little legs ever which are basically just tendons right big muscle on top does all the work well effectively does some of the work and then it's just you know tendon doing the rest of the work right so really good for that also really good for say rebounding so if you want to jump high you know you literally just jump a little bit store a load of elastic energy when you are on the descent then and then just spring the fuck back up right so if you're a basketball player and you've got fucking these little little tiny calves with this giant you know achilles it's probably a fucking benefit right however aesthetically it is the most disappointing thing you could possibly be born with not great it's not great but uh this conversation in, in terms of the aesthetics it actually goes it actually does get to people a lot of the time because it goes beyond just like obviously the length of the actual muscle belly versus the calf um because it goes into your actual muscle insertions then and there are variations in them so while that's not the concern when it comes to the achilles or or, or the calves and the biceps it is a concern actually for for other muscle groups and leads to 
a considerable amount of variation in terms of the end aesthetic pro product, even if you have the same amount of muscle as someone else. And this is something that accounts for a lot of the variation at very high levels of bodybuilding. So if you're like, you could have more muscle than someone, um, but do much worse than them in a bodybuilding competition, even at the same level of body fat, purely because their muscle morphology is simply different. And there's not a whole pile you can do about that. Like, sure. Like there are like regional specific adaptations in muscles, but if you like, you're never going to have the muscle bellies of Phil Heath. If you were not like that's that's your parents you know um so that is selected for at the peak levels um, of bodybuilding so that is one of the problems with trying to replicate someone else's physique because like it's just difficult at times because there is anatomical variation like my one of my pecs inserts in a, a pretty different like at the lower one of them kind of inserts at an angle and one of them inserts um, really roundly. And that gives a very different appearance when you actually look at my pecs. And similar, my abdominal muscles, one side of them are in, have an insertion slightly higher up and one slightly lower down. So if, you're, if you were me or you're a similar and you've got kind of asymmetric abs and you're trying to have those perfect dad, perfect symmetrical abs, symmetrical six-pack like people you see in magazines, it's like you're never getting there. Like you can, you can be the best version of yourself and have a fantastic six pack, but you're probably never going to have that perfect symmetrical shape because it's just not a thing. So this comes back to the case, the, the case for basically controlling only what you can control, you know, and only worrying about the things that you can control. Because if you start to worry about like, oh, but I wasn't born like him or her, like that is a total waste of your time causes you unnecessary stress, anxiety, upset, feelings of failure. It's just unnecessary. You, you totally avoid that. Because um, it, ha it happens as well. I think, it's, I think it's actually worse, to be honest, for, for women involved in training who have aesthetic goals. Because when, like, when you consider like, the, the aesthetic ideal of the, a lot of women that get into training for purely aesthetics, when you're talk if you're talking about that kind of typical fitness model shape where you've got a tiny waist, You've got big shapely glutes and, and like that, that, that's what you're looking for. If we even just keep it, if you're not, if you're not basically favored to have more body fat distribution in your glutes and less in your abdomen, it's going to be a far more difficult process because there's many women that walk into the gym on their first day and they've already got a body fat distribution that favors them storing more in their glutes, less in their abdomen. And to be honest, they almost have the desirable shape that they want already, even though they haven't built any muscle. So the, the shape that is desirable in that context is far more related to uh, body fat distribution and potentially basic anthropometry like pelvis shape, um, et cetera, than it is the actual amount of muscle mass that someone has. And that's, that's really tough to deal with. So I think, again, that's why it comes back to setting your expectations based on what you are currently working with and only comparing yourself to whoever you were previously worrying about nudging forward rather than that comparison to others um because yeah obviously it's a point but whether it's your arms uh, having having a long bicep whether it's variation insertion points that leads to asymmetry or whether it is in body fat distribution like you can't necessarily control all those things and you can choose to get better but you can't choose to become someone else so Gotta, gotta deal with it, man. You're dead right. And as I always say, the majority of people already hate 
everyone else. So there is literally no point in hating yourself as well, right? Yeah, as well so, love yourself. Exactly. You might as well love yourself because most people end up hating everyone else. So, you know, makes sense. Um, but before just closing this out with effectively just saying like, don't think about it. It doesn't matter, right? Because <laughs> that's effectively what the advice you just gave, which is the correct advice. Don't get me wrong. Um, like, it realistically, it doesn't matter. Like we've said it before, but your body should not be the most interesting thing about you. You know, if it is, you probably have some personality defects you, you need to work on, right? Um, however, perhaps this is something that just gets you down. You're just like, look, I really want to do something about this, right? With the calves, the only thing you can do is build more muscle, right? They might be inserting two thirds up the way of your leg, but at least they can get somewhat bigger right? You could maybe argue doing something like a, a seated calf raise might be better because, you know, there's the way that the, the, the gastroc and the soleus like interact and stuff, it might make something look a little bit thicker down the bottom, but even then it's like, you're, you're probably not going to get much, right? But you can still get bigger muscles there to some extent. However, it's not going to change a huge amount, right? However, for other body parts, there may be potentially more that you can do. Like Ari was saying with the, you know, the shape of your abs or you know, the actual insertion points of certain muscles like your chest and stuff, not much you can do for that. However, if there are muscle groups that interact with other muscle groups and you effectively want to give somewhat of a, an, an illusion of size like for example the bicep you know like gary was saying there you got all these other muscle groups in there like brachioradialis and all that kind of stuff and potentially biasing your training to train muscles in and around that area can help make it less of an issue right for example if you have biceps like me perhaps doing some sort of like reverse curl maybe even a hammer curl uh would build up the the kind of muscle in between here that kind of goes down towards the elbow and that might give you a little bit more of an illusion like oh this isn't as big of a deal as it appears to be you know so you could potentially bias some of your training towards the muscles that are in and around that area so that it you kind of compensate for that now at the end of the day you're not going to be able to change your actual muscle morphology so to what extent it makes a difference, uh, it's probably minuscule. But this can give you something to work on to help you feel like you are overcoming one of these limitations, you know, that, that you have, you know? Same with, you know, say you're, I don't know, you're, again, if we're talking about just the, the shape, the genetic shape of your body, like perhaps you have like, you know, say shorter clavicle width, you know, and you're like, I want to look, wider like you could bias your training towards you know maybe lat development and you know lateral delt development you know stuff like that like you can bias your training towards making your physique look a certain way and this is where you know like bodybuilders and physique competitors and all that kind of stuff they do really well when they start looking at okay what do i actually need to work on to give myself the the shape that i want you know rather than just thinking of like oh, I do a bench press for chest mass. You know, it's like, all right, cool. That's real surface level. Most people, for the majority of the, the, the population anyway, they just need to get bigger all over. But if you're at a stage where you're like, look, I actually wouldn't mind, you know, biasing my training towards a certain muscle group. And we've said it before, 
in the group, in, you know, on the podcast, all that kind of stuff. Uh, like you're allowed to train in a way that you want to train just because everyone bench presses first. That doesn't mean that you have to, if you're like, look, my slide delts are fucking really getting my, me down. I want a bigger, more rounded physique. I want to like look a little bit wider, like a, uh, an inverted pyramid, like it's perfectly okay if you go into your training session and do lateral delts first like that's it's fine you know like no nobody fucking cares if you want to go into your lower body training session and your calves or something that really gets you down train them first nobody cares you know like bias your training towards uh, a style of training a method of organization of training that actually achieves your goals because at the end of the day like that's all that really matters like exercise is all made up there's no fucking you need to do this or you need to do this like you're going to the gym you're going training whatever training that is for a certain outcome you know if you're not achieving that outcome because you're just following everyone else's advice man it's fucking irrelevant do what you need to do to get where you need to get this is also something that you see as well like dorian yates is a good example like he chose exercises that fit his body and you know trained in a manner that he enjoyed and could progressively overload and rather than thinking or using that methodology, you know, that thought process, people just copied what he did, you know, which is effectively the exact opposite thing that he actually did. You know, people will be like, oh, well, Dorian did this. So that means I have to do this. And it's like, no, Dorian said that these exercises didn't work for me. Dorian was like, these, this training methodology didn't work for me, or rather I like to train a certain way. And he just progressively overloaded those exercises in a manner that kept him going to the gym. And that was a thought process. That's what people should be thinking of. That's the concept people should be copying Dorian with rather than like Dorian did this exact thing. So I need to do this exact thing, you know, because again, you are not Dorian, you know? So again, like the, talking about the overall context, like we touched on like the, the, the females there as well with the males as well. Don't just copy Dorian Yates or Ronnie Coleman or whatever else, because at the end of the day, you need to train in a manner that allows you to progressively overload, whether that's you keep some reps in reserve and that allows you to stay in the gym longer, you know, actually enjoy your training. Or maybe you need to go into the gym and you're like, I need to be hitting PRs every session for you to enjoy your training, progressively overload over time. At the end of the day, it really doesn't fucking matter. It's all just tension on the muscles. And especially with hypertrophy, it's just a, a, a side benefit to getting stronger over time, you know, the actual resistance training process. So at the end of the day, do whatever the fuck you want to do. As we said earlier on, you know, don't worry too much about your, your physique. It, it doesn't fucking really matter. It shouldn't be the, the be all and end all. If you are concerned about it, train in a manner that would allow you to actually get the results that you desire and actually enjoy the process of training overall. Yes, sir. I think that wraps it up. So where can people find us, Gary? As always, guys, you know, get involved in the Triage Method newsletter. You can subscribe to that below and receive an email with a customer article and of the articles that we've posted throughout the week, along with other contents, such as the podcast, recommended resources, etc. You can also find us at the Triage Method community on Facebook, free Facebook group, productive discussions, get involved. And of course, on our social media, you'll find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and the YouTube. Uh, so get involved there. Um, subscribe, follow, comment on our stuff, give us feedback, like it. It's very helpful, helpful when people do that. 
we are posting some more um, organic content on Instagram and things like that in the form of infographics. So if you were like, hey, I'm done with these guys, all they're doing is reposting stuff that I've seen elsewhere um, and just for things, then now might be a good time to follow us because we are going to be putting on some more stuff for people because people seem to like it. And yeah, as you know, we definitely have online coaching spaces available. If you'd like to work with Patty or myself one-on-one, take your, take your training to the next level, rehab to the next level. Basically, if you want to get that one-on-one attention where things really are tailored to your needs and you want to learn the knowledge that is necessary for you to make long-term progress, then that's a good investment. If you're not willing to go for the kind of highest tier in terms of the one-to-one, you could go with our group online coaching service, which is a lot cheaper, 35 euros a month, um, and is a service that we're trying to improve month-on-month with feedback from the people who are partaking in it already. So get involved in that. And as you know, we've got our program templates and eBooks, uh, which are basically designed to give you the necessary knowledge and the practical tools to start making progress without actually having to work with us. So again, a much lower cost involved there. So that is it guys. And remember that it is too easy. It's always too easy. <laughs>